All right, well, church family, uh, we are going through a teaching series in the parables of Jesus called Stories of the Kingdom. And uh, you might remember when I teed this up back in January, first of all, I just have to say that in my role, having, having served as the preaching pastor of this church for, gosh, better part of a decade now, um, we are blessed. I am blessed as a preacher. We are blessed as a church family to have so many godly pastors who can rightly handle the word of God. Amen? Uh, obviously, Pastor Jason preaching for years as the lead pastor of Martha Lake Baptist Church. Pastor John, a lot of experience preaching, both in college ministry as his previous church. Pastor Steve preaching the word of God in Florida to the alligators and, you know, planting a church down there to astronauts and alligators, I guess, both, right? Uh, Man, we're so blessed. And, and we currently have two men going through the elder candidacy process where they're being tested and trained to be approved. And one of the things that 1 Timothy 3 says is that elders need to be able to teach. And so in the upcoming weeks, both Myung Hong and Jeremiah Robinson are going to have an opportunity to preach. And so we're kind of working on this series together back in the fall as elder team. We've got, you know, the new guys are going to preach, and then Jason and John and Steve are going to preach as is normal. And there was just one person sitting over in the corner with a lone tear rolling down his cheek saying, pick me, guys, pick me. I want to preach too. And so we get the privilege of hearing from Pastor Doug Freiberg today. So um, I'll invite him to come on up. Uh, Maranatha, are you going to read our scripture for us as well? I'm going to invite both of them to come up and prepare. Maranatha is going to read our scripture. Doug's going to preach from the word of God for us. And uh, I just want to say how much of a blessing Doug is. He is a blessing to me personally as a friend and as a fellow pastor at this church, and I know many of you have experienced him as a blessing, he's going to say things about how he doesn't feel like he knows what he's doing up here. It's lies. I was at the 9 a.m. service. He did a phenomenal job. And so I would just encourage you uh, to join with me. I would I'd just love to say a word of prayer over you. Yeah. invite you to pray over Doug uh, and as we prepare to hear from God's word here today. So, Lord, we love this man. Lord, we love him just as you made him um, with the... Uh, uh, small in height, but huge in love, Lord. We love this brother so much, and thank you, God, for the ways that he has served me and cared for me through ups and downs and difficulties in my own life. And Lord, thank you for the way that he has taken the gifts that you've given him, a gift of love and a gift of generosity, and used it to be a blessing in the lives of others around him. So Lord, I ask and pray today, as he's still getting over a cold, Lord, would you strengthen his voice? I ask and pray as he's going to say maybe a little bit out of his element, Lord, I just pray that we would all be reminded that the power is in the Word of God, brought to life by the Spirit of God, delivered through your messenger. And Lord, we are thankful for this messenger, our brother Doug, today. So give us soft and teachable hearts, we pray in Jesus' good name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, Maranatha, you want to read our scripture for us? And then Pastor Doug, take it away. Yeah, thank you, Pastor. This is the Word of God from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey... He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two talents earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will, to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where he will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Marin, thank you for reading the scripture. That was a big chunk. You did a great job. My name is Doug Freiberg, and I am one of the pastors here at Sound City Bible Church. Something I thought I'd never be saying at one point in my life. And the big day has finally come. Are you excited? Okay. Well... Uh, might want to lower your standards just a little bit. I am part of the C team here, and, uh, and as, as Pastor Aaron said, I'm just getting a little bit over some congestion, so you might hear that in my voice a little bit. I am a little unconventional, not only in stature, like a dime amongst a bunch of nickels, um, <laughs> but I am here with my training wheels on, and this is my training wheels when I was asked to preach. Uh, the last two times I preached, I also used the laptop. And it's like a little teleprompter. I can put colors, I can put bold, I can not lose my place as easy. And I said this was one of the requirements. I still have to be used that. And then, of course, I do have my faithful sidekick, Bubba, with me. So, you know, my daughter gave this to me probably 10 years ago. I tend to hold on to things. So, me and Bubba, we go to a lot of places. It's kind of like my blanket, you know. So, um, I am not seminary trained, and I'm not a scholar, and my memory is deteriorating, almost fearfully so. But um, the elder team wanted to hear many voices, so I hope to share with you my heart and the simple thoughts God has given me about a parable that has always spoken to me. I was talking to a pastor who was visiting here today, and and he says, boy, that's a good parable. I said, yeah, it's kind of like the, I think it's kind of like the T-ball of parables. It's kind of easy to, to work with. So I'm, I'm thankful for, for this, being able to do this one. I believe with my whole heart that God has given us all so many gifts and abilities, often summed up as time, talents, and treasures. Just the fact that we're able to take care of ourselves, that we're able to drive here on our own, not everybody has that. So many 
blessings from God, gifts and abilities. As we'll see in our parable today, God gives different gifts and abilities to each of us. When I consider the treasures that God has entrusted to me, I count my family as my greatest earthly treasure. I was raised in a very loving and close family in Ballard and have been blessed with an amazing wife, kids, their spouses and grandkids. My two sisters and brother-in-law were here um, earlier. I just, they, they support me so well. Um, and some of you may have noticed that when I'm up here, I often give a shout out to my mom and dad who usually watch the 9 a.m. service. I had the privilege to baptize both of my parents several years ago. They're 91 and 95. Uh, they're in a little rough shape, you know, with Alzheimer's or, or macular. But my mom was going to be here this morning. Um, they really helped establish my faith in God. And honestly, I didn't say this at the first service because my sister was here and I probably would have sobbed. I'll probably do that later anyway, you guys. It's one of my gifts. And, um, and she, I really followed her into faith. So, see, um, told you. So, um, they were going to be here today, but unfortunately, they tested positive for COVID. So, um, they watched the first service. If they're watching this one, still love you, Mom and Dad. So... You know, there are so many ways to deliver a sermon, um, and no right way. I've received a lot of great advice and suggestions, uh, uh, but I've tried as much as possible to be guided by the thoughts and understandings that God has brought with my particular experiences. Um, when I was first asked to preach in 17, after I laughed, and then I found out they were serious, um, I, I said that I don't, I can't do what you guys do. I mean, I am so fortunate. I received so much from our teaching. And I said, I, I don't have that training. And they said, Doug, we don't want us up there. We want you up there. We want to hear from you. So that's what I'm going to try and, and provide today. Um, so with that said... Please pray with and for me as I share God's word. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King, who calls us his friend. You are a good and generous God. Though I don't understand it, God, you delight in us, your sons and daughters. We invite you now, as Pastor Aaron said, give us ears to hear and hearts that are soft, that we might learn from your word and give us understanding and wisdom how your word, by your spirit, can change and form our lives for your glory and our good. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord. And everybody says, amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you, Bubba. So before we get into our text, I wanted to review a little bit. We are halfway through the sermon series, Stories of the Kingdom, just over halfway through, the parables of Jesus. And for me, it has been just a delight. I chose to teach from the parable of the talents, as it's known in the CSB, because it has informed and shaped many of the choices I have made in my life, many times without me even realizing it. 
The parable is also known as the parable of the bags, of the bags of gold in the NIV, the parable of the three servants in the New Living Testament, or what we call it at Sound City Bible Church, the one where a guy buries his money in the ground, found in Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. I tend to refer to it as the parable of the talents. You know, the parables or stories Jesus shared could be straightforward or extremely baffling. But interestingly enough, people are attracted to the stories. I like a quote by Klein Snodgrass that Pastor Aaron shared a few weeks ago, and I think it's worth repeating. He says that stories are inherently interesting, and I do love stories. I get onto a movie or something like that, no matter how bad it is, I want to watch it to the end because I feel it's going to redeem itself somewhere, but I just find them really interesting. Discourse we tolerate, as you guys are tolerating me now, but to story we attend. Story entertains, it informs, it involves, it motivates, it authenticates, and mirrors existence. A couple of points for the context of this parable. It does come near the end of Jesus' ministry in the book of Matthew. Depending on your definition, Jesus taught somewhere between 30 and 50 parables in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but none in the book of John, as you probably know. In the book of John, Jesus focuses more on his own identity and his unique relationship with the Father. This parable was a private teaching to his disciples, not to the Pharisees or the masses. And just prior to this parable, in chapter 25, Jesus shared the parable of the ten virgins, which will be covered in late March. And just following the parable is the parable of the sheep and goats, which we will not be covering during this series. Finally, in Luke 19, there is a parable with similarities to this one, commonly called the parable of the minas. Some suggest this is basically the same parable. Others suggest, though similar, they are different. I spent some time looking at this parable, studying it, and uh, though we can learn a lot from it, I didn't delve into it deeply, but it's worthwhile taking a look at. So a lot of similarities. So one more drink, and then we'll get on with it here. I still got that little tickle in my throat at times. So let me start by going through the verses. I'm going to use the CSB. And we'll start with verse 14. It says, for it, okay, we're going to stop there. So uh, this might take a little while. So I'll do more than two words on the next reading. So um, what is it referring to? A little louder? Yeah, there you go. See, someone pays attention, isn't afraid to speak up a little bit. Anyway, thank you, Aaron Lynn. The kingdom of God. There you go. I kind of figured there. So, I have been a follower of Jesus for 50 plus years. And this is a concept that I haven't spent much time on. Uh, this series has been a, kind of a wake up, kind of a little slap in the face. Um, but it just doesn't come naturally for me, even as I've been tried trying to think about it and see how I'm living in both these worlds. I, I'm not prepared to spend a lot of time on this, but I've been trying to be very intentionally aware to better understand and truly believe that I, that we, 
live in two very real kingdoms, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but the concept of two very real kingdoms, one seen and, and one, another unseen, it just kind of makes my head spin like a Rubik's Cube, which when I was a kid, I just glued it together because I didn't want any more puzzles in my life. <laughs> um, Jesus came preaching the kingdom, and he meant that he was king in charge of everything. The problem is that we have all been captives of the kingdom of darkness. So, Jesus died on the cross to redeem us from our sins, but also to conquer over Satan and death itself. From a human perspective, it looked like defeat as he was nailed to the cross, but it was actually an act of triumph. Then he proved that all his claims about the kingdom were true by rising from the dead. And we will be celebrating that in a few weeks here. Now Jesus has ascended to heaven where he rules and reigns over all things. And one day, he will return just as he came. He will return to bring his kingdom to its completion. Until that day, you and I we have a choice. How will we respond to this message of the kingdom? So I urge us and remind us, as we were taught in the very first sermon of this series, to imagine afresh how to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. Let that sink in for a moment. to really stop and think about that in our daily thoughts and in our decision-making and ask yourself, what would it look like if Jesus were in charge of everything? I'll let you fill in the blank on that one. So we continue with the red letters, Jesus' words about the kingdom of God. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey he called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. So here we're introduced to the cast of the story, the man and the three servants. And it tells us uh, actually a number of interesting points about the man. He is later referred to as the master. At this point, he is present with the three servants. He is about to go on a journey which is later referred to as a long journey, and he's making preparations for his journey. He has possessions. He seems to be well off, rich even. He has servants and entrusts his possessions to those servants. So he called his servants, and now we see his interactions with them. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. So enter our first artifact. I don't think that's really the right word, but talents. The possessions being entrusted to the servants. <clears throat> In our culture, talent is often defined as natural abilities or aptitudes, gifts. In fact, our, our use of the word talent 
finds its roots in the Greek word talenton. I might not be pronouncing that right, I don't know. Which indeed was defined as a weight or a sum of money. The opinions on this actual value of the, in this New Testament times is all over the board. So many opinions. I could give you so many different definitions of what this might have been worth, but the common understanding of a talent was a weight of measure. Not a specific unit of money. And it was generally of gold and silver, and I think I even saw copper in there. So now, I'm, I'm not big into hyperbole, like some people we know. But let, in fact, you guys, um, the first time I ever sat down and had lunch with Pastor Aaron many, many years ago, I told him I liked his preaching and that sort of thing. I said, but boy, this hyperbole sometimes is just way over the top. <laughs> then I realized that Jesus used it too, so bad on me. So, But let's just say it is a significant amount of money, very significant, maybe as much as a million dollars, and I'm not stretching that. Does that work for you guys? We'll just go with the even million. So, um, so does this exclude talents as we understand it? Natural abilities and aptitudes. Again, so many opinions that also make a case for understanding talents to be either one, the abilities or, the, or the, just a, a money. Um, so I have landed on a quote that I can relate to. And as I've sought these supporting um, statements, I've, I've really tried to find people that kind of say it prettier than I do, that summarize. I'm just not a great wordsmith. So when Jesus used the word talent, oh, this is Jeffrey Curtis Poor, a pastor and writer. When Jesus used the word talent, his audience thought about money, not skills and abilities as we would associate today. However, we should think more broadly than just the money that's under our name. The symbol of money in the parable represents all the resources. There, I believe the talent represents all the resources we have been given by God, often summed up in our time, our talents, and our treasures. So last week, Pastor John gave a great sermon on a very difficult parable, thank you that I didn't have to do that one, about the shrewd manager on money and stewardship. If you missed it, be sure to go back. He talks about stewardship of money a lot. Um, but my focus will be on time, talents, and treasures. Now, it's very interesting that the man, the master, gave talents to each of his servants depending on each one's ability from this, it indicates that in the kingdom of God, servants are entrusted with talents depending on one's God-given abilities. So hold on to that thought as verse 15 continues. And I take a water break. Then he, the man, the master, he went on a journey. Okay, so we set things up, and now I'm going to wrap up the story and talk about applying this to each of us as part of the kingdom of God. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, 
dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Notice this man, now called master, he was gone a long time. He was on a long journey. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. He was excited. He invested well and got a good return, perhaps better than the market today. But his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Kind of like, well, that's fantastic. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. Almost reminds me of when kids do their artwork and see mom what I did. And what is it? It's, it's you. Oh, okay. So, but the, his master said to him, just like we'd say to our kids, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Again, fantastic. And notice the master's response was the same with both servants, even though one servant gained five talents and one gained two. Then in verse 24, we have the man who received one talent. He also approached them and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, have, you have what is yours. So why did this servant bury his, own, his one talent in the ground? I think the key is in the statement, I was afraid. Stay tuned, we'll talk about that in a little more too. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. I don't think he was respect, expecting that response, but if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown, and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty rough end to the story. To summarize, I'd like to share another quote from Jeffrey Curtis Poor that sums up the parable for me. Let's say you trust a portion. This is a story about perhaps millions of your retirement to a broker. Your expectation is those funds will grow, I suppose, you know, depending on how things go. But if, if after some time you find your broker is mismanaging your funds and plotting maybe to keep them for himself, what are you going to do? If you're wise, you will pull those funds and give them to someone who will manage them well. That's what the man, the master is doing in this story. 
In the parable of the talents, Jesus isn't really talking about money. This isn't about investing so we can be rich. God entrusts us with money, yes, but also with skills, relationships, time, opportunities, and much more. This parable isn't solely about our money. Jesus is putting the bigger idea into terms his audience would understand. It's about what we do with what God has given us. The parable of the talents describe how Jesus' followers should be acting between now and his return. The parable of the talents meaning is that Jesus is coming back. Just like the man in the story. He was gone a long time. It might seem like he's delayed, that he's not coming back, but he is. And this leads me to the big idea. One day, Jesus our King will return, and we will be held accountable for how we used what God has given us. This is a sober thought. One day, Jesus, our King, will return, and we will be held accountable for how we use what God has given us. So how should we respond? What should we do? I want to share four points with you that are really um, things that have just really struck a resonation with me in this. We are created for good works to bear fruit. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I mean, that is, to me, kind of mind-blowing, is he prepared these ahead of times for us. This is God's will. It's his design for the lives of those who are his. We are created for good works. In the parable, we see three servants. Two please their master by using the talents given to them to produce more talents. One receives the master's wrath by burying his talent. We are all broken people, but we are redeemed by God only through our hope in Jesus Christ, and we are brought into God's kingdom. We live in a world of broken people, that have no hope in this world or beyond this world. Honestly, I don't understand how people cope. I really don't. God loves all people. He desires to bring them into his kingdom and he uses us. He gives us talents and resources to love people and share the hope we have in the kingdom of God now and for eternity. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works and we will be held accountable for how we use all the resources he has given us, our time, our talents, and our treasures, those that have been entrusted to each one of us. We'll invest those in the kingdom of God or bury, bury them, maybe leaving them on the shelf or in the closet. The second point I'd like to make is our time is limited. 
In the parable, the master leaves on a long journey. And when he returns, he holds the servants accountable for how they use the talents entrusted to them. Our king came to earth 2,000 years ago. It's a long time ago. He came to remove the barrier between God and man. I love that the veil to the Holy of Holies was torn when Jesus gave his life for us. The king will return. Jesus will come again. No one knows the time, but he will return, so we must not delay. In the parable, the two profitable servants immediately put their talents to work. So must we. I find it interesting that this word immediately was used because it just, I think it's really trying to convey a principle. We, we shouldn't hesitate in this. Our time is limited. We often think we have time, but no one knows how long we really have. And who knows specifically, especially as we grow older, how long we will have the talents entrusted to us or how long an opportunity presents itself. Getting older is kind of rough, you guys. Um, but for all of you who are younger than me, statistically, I'm closer to heaven. So I'm excited. So it's worth it. Yeah. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. But even though these abilities diminish, at whatever stage of life we're at, we need to focus on the abilities that God has given us at the present and put those to use. I am challenged by the saying, God initiates and we respond. And I must admit, maybe it is fear of missing out, but I don't want to miss out on the good works God has for me to do. I want to please my king and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. The next point is that each of us has been entrusted with talents. All of our talents, our resources, not just some of them, come from God. Romans 6, 12 tells us that we have different gifts, just like the servants. One was given five talents, one was given two, and one was given one. God doesn't give us talents just for use in the church. I think of those at Sound City who serve the local schools through the nourishing network, providing food for the local community in need. Several in this room are lead that, or involved in that. So thankful. And we have people involved in the foster care system. And each Christmas, um, besides the ongoing during the year, we have a giving tree to support the work they do. And so encouraging. They come to us and they have shared at the service what that really means. But look around and you'll see people using their talents each Sunday. I am so thankful for those who help production, slides, sound, online. You guys, there is so much goes on below the surface that you'd really have no idea that sometimes I don't have understand. So appreciative. The musicians who rehearse each week, great worship today. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, they rehearse. They use their amazing vocals and skills. They aren't burying those talents. And they create a joyful noise, arriving early on Sunday and staying late. 
Thank you so much. The pastors who study, I'm not talking about myself, but the pastors who regularly study, prepare and teach us through the sermons, something that takes me months to do, they might do in a week or two weeks or whatever, but it still takes time. The scripture readers, the greeters, the connect desk, hospitality, breakfast team, the welcome committee, the communion servers, uh, the financial stewards, security, thank you guys for serving For those who love, serve, and teach our kids and students, thank you. A huge thank you. I'm sure I miss some, but God knows. God will reward you. It takes a lot of people to make things happen every Sunday. And we could always use your company doing that. So what has God entrusted to you? Luke 12, 48 tells us, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. This is a verse that has spoken to me often. I just feel God has been so generous, you know, with my family and with the opportunities with work and that sort of thing. But there's a responsibility goes with that. Much is, will be expected. So what time, talents, and treasures has God entrusted to you? It's a great thing to talk about in your community group this week. Um, I believe many times we don't see ourselves clearly. Maybe someone else might see something in you. I think that is so true. We need each other. It's like when you see a photograph of yourself and you're saying, who is that? You know, or you see yourself in the mirror. and Who's that old fat guy? So um, we need each other. So think about that during your group this week. Are you already serving somewhere? Invite others to join you. Some of the best things in my life has come about because someone invited me into it. So take that time. Look for people who might be looking to serve. And you guys, it builds amazing uh, bonds. We went to a church um, for about 30 years. And... For the first five years, Linda and I just attended with our kids, and then we would leave. And I can't tell you what a difference it made. Somebody invited us both at the same time into serving. It was a whole different experience. So if you're not serving, there are opportunities here. Going to Mexico, one of the highlights for me is coming back and seeing people that I went with, BJ and uh, the Wrights and... Others who, Jim and Shelly, who have gone, I grew so much closer to these people. It's just a real delight. Um, what, what is already in your hand? What is in your, your life? There's a great um, teaching on Moses and Aaron talking about how God used the staff. What was in Aaron's hand? Sometimes we look around, what are we supposed to be doing, God? Start with what's in your hand. Oftentimes, it'll be your family. It'll be your friends. It'll be your church. That's a great place to start. What has God placed in your hand? Use what God has given you to serve others. A lot to think about. As I mentioned earlier, my family is one of my greatest treasures. So some time ago, I asked God to allow us to show us how to share this great treasure 
with others. <laughs> and he has blessed us with his answer. Um, he's showed that he's given us the answer to that prayer. And it's been such a joy in our family. So, when we were younger, I thought we would have three kids, and we had two. But now we have a third. So don't hoard the gifts God has entrusted with you. Use them for the kingdom. Don't put them on the shelf. Don't bury them. Remember, our time is limited. God will multiply these talents. God fed 5,000 people from a boy's five loaves and two fish, two fishes, by multiplying his meager offering. These gifts are not just for the body of Christ, but to demonstrate God's love and generosity to this world that he loves and Jesus gave his life for. Jesus did not hoard his life but gave it freely to the point of death. <sighs> Brings me to my final point. Our motivation for using our talents is important to God. To be very clear, the parable of the talents is not about salvation or works righteousness. We're not earning God's love, his forgiveness. The parable of the talents challenges to examine ourselves, understand the resources God has entrusted to us, and consider how these can be put to work for the glory of God and the furtherance of his very real eternal kingdom. People serve God out of different motives, motives I know I do. Some are proper and some not so proper. So what is the supreme motive for serving our Heavenly Father? I believe the question is answered by Jesus in Mark 12. When asked, what is the most important commandment? Verse 30, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's a lot. The second is, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. In Old Testament times, I believe there was like 613 laws. And God gradually whittled it down to 10. And then other places I've done a teaching on this. But really what it comes down to is one. It's love. Love, accept, forgive. There is no other greater, no other command greater than these. The servant given one talent feared his master and out of this fear buried his talent. In 2 Timothy, God's word states that fear is not from him. God has given us a spirit of love, power, and self-control. One of the most helpful understandings I have received is to seek to know God, who God is, his attributes and character, I have to remind myself of this often. The, the world judges God from what they see in the world. They see the brokenness and they said, how could you, God? We see the brokenness and know that God's heart breaks for the brokenness. We know who God is. He is good, 
He is merciful, loving, kind, and just. And we know that he deeply loves and cares for this broken world and desires to work through brokenness and save us from this brokenness. So what is my motivation for being an elder, for being up here now? A number of years ago, I was taken aback when a friend asked me during our community group, why aren't you a pastor, Doug? And I laughed and I just said, yeah, that ain't gonna happen. So years later, others saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and invited me into serving the church in a way that resulted in me being asked to consider eldership. Though reluctant, I prayed about it. I truly believe God was initiating, but how would I respond? I guess you know the answer. God has placed a deep love in my heart for people. A, heart, a, a love that hurts a lot. I believe that is a talent he has entrusted to me, not greater than anybody else's, but he entrusted that to me and serving this church as an elder was a way to use that talent. From author Dr. Mark D. Roberts, he was referencing um, Romans 8.28. Just a portion of it though. Many know that this is a favorite scripture of mine, but I'm not using the all things part. You have been called according to the purpose of God. What is this purpose? Yes, it includes saving you from sin and death. Thank you, Jesus. But it also includes joining God in his work of restoring the broken world through Christ. In our words and our works, we can partner with God as he unites all things in Christ because we have been called according to God's purpose. Our lives have eternal purpose as well. This purpose shapes both what we do and who we are. Let me close in prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. And I just pray, God, that you would use these words spoken today to work in our hearts and minds for your glory and for your honor. God, place your desires on our heart. Change us into the men and women you have created us to be that we might be faithful with a few things. To hear well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your master's joy. Amen.